You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. My name is Jimmy Young, and it's my great pleasure to be opening up God's Word with you this morning. And I start with a question, perhaps the most important question that you could know the answer to, and that is, how do you know that you are saved? How do you know that you are a Christian? How do you know that you're part of God's family? And, and perhaps you might have even asked the question a different way, maybe in a time of doubt or crisis, and asked yourself the question, am I a Christian? How, how do I know? And I'm aware that even in our church this morning, there will be people who, when they think about that question, would... would Respond with uncertainty. I'm, I'm not quite sure of the answer. I'm here though. For, for some of us, we are confident. We know where our assurance comes from. And yet for more, we don't like to think about that question too much of how we might know that we're saved because we are fearful, anxious, insecure that perhaps if we investigate too much, the answer is that we are not. How can we have assurance? How can we know for sure? Well, we have luck today because John writes in part to assure the people that he's writing to. This is not a group of comfortable Christians sitting on the couch that he's writing to who are just in need of a bit of a pep talk. If you've been tracking with us over the past couple of weeks and months as we work through the book of 1 John, you'll have seen that this is a church divided This is a church in turmoil, in crisis. This is a group of people who desperately need assurance. They need to know that God is with them. They need to know that God is for them. And so John writes in particular to comfort those who doubt that they might have assurance. And he starts off, Chapter 5, this way. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And the last verse that we heard today read out for us. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John starts with Jesus. Jesus is the foundation of our assurance. Jesus is the stronghold of our assurance. Jesus is the one that we look to. And if you've spent any time in church, you'll have predicted this. It won't shock you that Jesus is the answer of our assurance. This is the predictable Jesus bit. I once heard a joke about Sunday school where every answer, of course, is Jesus. That there was a Sunday school teacher who had gone to the zoo the day before and was trying to get the, the, the kids to uh, have a guess at what animals they saw. And they describing one and said, well, I saw this animal and it was... It was really large and it was, had four legs and it, it was grey and had a really long nose, a bit like a trunk. Can you guess what it was? Uh, well, that would be the right answer. But there was silence until one of the kids says, I know the answer is meant to be Jesus, but I think it might be an elephant. Right? We, we know that the answer is meant to be Jesus, and so we actually we lose the awe. We lose how incredible it is that Jesus is the foundation of our assurance, that Jesus died for me, that Jesus loves me, that Jesus brought me into his family. 
He said, John starts off, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That is the foundation of our assurance. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, if you believe that Jesus is the King, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you have been born into God's family. That's the foundation. That's the base. You see, in almost every person I've ever met who is experiencing a lack of assurance of God's love for them, wondering, am I even a Christian? In almost every case, they are looking far more at themselves and their own faithfulness to God instead of looking to Jesus and his faithfulness to them. They took a quick look at Jesus. They know the answer is meant to be Jesus, but then they look at their lives and they see an absence of the things that are meant to mark a Christian and go, well, how can I be part of God's family? I would suggest the more you look at yourself and your own faith, the more we end up doubting. And the more that we look at Jesus, the more assurance we will have. Because even on our best days, even when we look at the evidence of our faith and we see that we're going to church even though it's cold in the morning and we're reading our Bibles even though we're tired and we're praying our prayers, well, often what that leads to is pride. And if those are the things that we build our faith and our assurance on, we're only one bad week away from being racked with doubt and insecurity. And it's not that we don't look to these things at all. It's that we cannot look to them first. John starts with Jesus. He starts with the predictable Jesus bit. His base, his foundation is Jesus. The way one uh, writer has said, Robert Murray Mcheney, he said, for every look at yourself, look at Jesus ten times. Don't get that the other way around. Don't have a quick look to Jesus out of the glance of your eyes and look ten times at yourself. Look to Jesus ten times for every time you look at yourself. Because if we look to the things that we do as evidence of our assurance, we constantly play a game of never being enough. How do I know that I trust God enough? To be saved? How do I know that I've read enough Bible to be saved? How do I know that I've prayed enough prayers? How do I know that I've been obedient enough to be saved? That way lies anxiety and insecurity. Jesus is our foundation. Jesus is the one that we look to. And only once we have Jesus as our foundation of our assurance do we then look elsewhere. John does look elsewhere. But it has to start here with Jesus. Because what happens is that when Jesus comes into our hearts and is the foundation of assurance, things start changing in our lives. Jesus reshapes our hearts. And it looks a little bit like this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent, that is God the Father, loves the child, that is Jesus the Son. And by this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Here's the narrative as I see it. That as a person interacts with the good news of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection, that the blinkers not only of our eyes but of our hearts open up and we get to see Jesus and all his glory and beauty and value and we start to place our trust and faith in him through a work of the Spirit. And so as the gospel interacts with our heart, faith takes root Faith in who? Jesus. And as faith in Jesus starts to take root as this foundation of our lives, there are certain things that follow because our life is being reshaped. And John in particular picks up a couple of themes. He says that churches that are characterized by Jesus, they love the truth or they're growing in love for the truth of God. They're growing in love for one another and they're growing in love for obeying God's will. That's our our goal here at St. John's. We want to know God. We want to love each other. We want to do what God says. But there's also a trap here. Not a trap of God's design but of our own hearts because If we look to those things, we go, okay, this is what my life is meant to be characterized by knowing the truth about God and loving the people around me and doing what God wants me to do. Well, we go, well, my life often isn't characterized by those things. And what tends to happen is that we freak out. And instead of assurance growing in our hearts, what grows is actually an intensification of our lack of assurance. And we go, okay, so if, if this is what a Christian life is characterized, I need to try harder. I'm going to try harder to love the people around me. I'm going to try harder to love God. I'm going to try so hard to do everything that God wants. No one is ever going to try harder than me in the whole world. And then we wake up tomorrow and we find that people are hard to love. And we find that sometimes... Sometimes obeying God is difficult and we fall short. And sometimes we find that even knowing the truth, trying to work out, it just feels so overwhelming. And so we feel guilt and shame until we get brought to a place where our response is, I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to try even harder than last time. I know I said I'd try harder than anybody in the whole world, but I'm going to try even harder than that. And all that happens is we end up on this cycle of trying harder, which leads to guilt and shame, which leads to trying harder, which leads to guilt and shame. That lie, that way lies doubt and insecurity. How do we actually grow in love for God's truth? How do we actually grow in love for each other? How do we actually grow to love what God has commanded, we do so by looking at Jesus. We look to Jesus again and again and again, not as the last resort, but as the first. Because it's as we look at Jesus, who loved us and died for us, so that when we were unlovely people, when we were far from God, when we were enemies of God, he died for us to be brought in. When we look at that and meditate upon that and dwell on that, then we look at other people who are unlovely, just like we were. And we look at other people whose lives don't quite look like ours and we go, well, Jesus loved this person enough to die for them. Well, I'm going to follow in the footsteps of my Saviour. 
Not by trying harder, but by looking at Jesus who reshapes our hearts to love people who are unlovely because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. It's only by looking at Jesus who is righteous and pure and holy and obedience to God led him even unto death for us that we start to see that, his, that obedience to his will is not burdensome but is actually beautiful. That there is a way of life that God has not just commanded but invited us into that brings us life, leads to flourishing. But it's only by looking at Jesus who followed God, who did all that the Lord his Father commanded him. It's only when we look at Jesus. It's not about trying harder. It's about looking to Jesus again and again and again. And John goes on in verse 6. He says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. And there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. And this seems a bit strange, right? What is John talking about? The blood and the water and the Spirit? What is, what is he getting at? Well, I think it's as simple as this. John is encouraging them, keep looking at Jesus. Keep looking at the substance of faith. The, the water, I think, refers to his baptism. The, the blood refers to his death on the cross. The Spirit is the one that Jesus has sent out to confirm the truth of that in our hearts. And so what John is doing, he says, as you look to Jesus, here are some really big markers. Here are some really big signposts that you can look towards that will encourage you of God's love for you in Christ Jesus. The spirit and the water and the blood, these things agree. Because in the water, in Jesus' baptism, it's a confirmation of his divine identity. When the spirit of God descends and confirms, this is my son. And the same son of God goes to the cross to die for our sins on our behalf so that sons and daughters everywhere might gain entry into the family of God. And having gained entry into the family of God might receive the same spirit that confirms the truth of the gospel in our hearts. These things agree. John is reminding them, keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to his baptism. Keep looking to his death. Keep looking to the gift of the Holy Spirit which confirms truth in our hearts. Don't get distracted. The whole point of these things is so that we might be assured. This is the great testimony of God. If we receive human testimony, that is if we receive the story of each other, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his son. What Sam read out to us. Those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son, which is, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. We're going to hear some testimonies in a couple of weeks when we have our baptism and confirmation services. And a good 
testimony that is a good story, a good evidence that someone has been reshaped by Jesus, that someone has Jesus as the foundation of their life, is that they know that this is the truth. That what God has testified in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus has taken root in their hearts. I've been in church a long time to hear some really good testimonies and some really average testimonies. And every average testimony has the same element, that it makes too much of ourselves and not enough about Jesus. What John is saying is that God has brought this testimony of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus into our hearts. And so we start to love the things that God loves. We start to want the things that God wants. We start to love the people that God has brought into our lives, not because we're incredible or extra special, but because God is extraordinary in His grace and love and mercy for us. Keep looking to Jesus. And that's how He ends. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life, and the one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Sometimes life is grey, but for John, it's pretty black and white. Do you know the Son? Do you trust Jesus? Do you have Jesus? Does Jesus have you? John might, not have, might have more than one song that he sings, but he definitely has one hymn book. He keeps coming back to this point again and again and again and again and again. Do you know Jesus? Because if you know him, that is where our assurance comes from. Do you know his life? Do you know his death? Do you know his resurrection? Do you know his love for you in Christ Jesus? Well, if you have Jesus, you have life. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. It's as clear as that. And so the point that John wants us to close on is, do you have life? Do you know Jesus? Have you kept looking to Jesus? And I imagine if John was here this morning, he might say something like this to us. He might say something like this to those of us who know that our assurance is in Jesus, in his death and life and resurrection. He might say, keep looking to Jesus. Don't get distracted by other things. Don't get distracted by secondary issues. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to him, the author and perfecter of our faith, as the book of Hebrews says. Keep looking to Jesus. And to those of us, who are racked with worry, racked with insecurity, wondering, am I actually really a Christian? How could God love someone like me? He might say something like this, return to looking at Jesus. Stop looking at yourself so much. Stop looking at your faith and your faithfulness so much. Look to Jesus. Look to the assurance that is in him alone. Look to him, the one who has conquered death. Look to him, the one who has loved you and brought you into his family. Look to Jesus. And those of us who know the answer to that question is, do you have the Son? Is no. There is an invitation there. Start looking to Jesus. There is never a time that is too late whilst we have life on this earth. Look to Jesus. 
He will free you from your sin. He will free you from that worry. Am I saved? Am I safe? Trust in Jesus. In him is life. And if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Let me pray for us now. God, the truth is for so many of us that we take our eyes off Jesus. Whether we feel confident about our assurance, whether we feel worry or insecurity, or whether we just, we're not sure at all, we take our eyes off you. We take our eyes off our creator. We take our eyes off the Messiah. We take our eyes off the King. God, lead us back to you. For those of us who do feel confident, keep our eyes trained on you, Lord. Build in our hearts a love for the people of God. Build in our hearts a love for the things of God, the truth of God. Keep our eyes on you. Lord, particularly I want to raise up those who are experiencing doubt and worry and anxiety and insecurity about their place in your family. May you be big in their life. May Jesus and his death and resurrection be big in their life. Lead them not to think about their own faithfulness, but instead your faithfulness and the way that that can reshape their whole lives. And God, for those of us who are here this morning who don't trust Jesus, who don't have life, who don't know the Son, God, take our blinkers off. Take our blinders off so that we might see Jesus for all he is worth. May we trust him, love him, and know that he alone is the base of our foundation. Lord, help us keep looking to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.